0: This time on the Roll Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Let's look at Trump's leadership and how he led. He led on the border issue. He led with talking about building a wall. He came out of the chute, man, talking about the drugs that were coming over, all the bad people that Mexico was sending. He came right down, there, right down the escalator, right from the get-go. Didn't hold back, didn't hide anything. Came out and said it in ways, and a lot of people didn't like the fact. He said, This is the issue. We have to deal with this issue. This is a big issue, and it was, and it yeah. is. So he talked about building a wall, making a deal with Mexico, including the NAFTA that we had it was a horrible trade deal that was made during Clinton's days and hadn't been changed. And Trump talked about changing it with Mexico and Canada, North American Free Trade Act. And he did, and he changed it. And that was one of the things he me. It wasn't easy. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in the first six months, but it happened. He made it difficult for the cartels. The cartels, they are reaping so much of the benefits of what's going on today. He made it difficult. He took away their edge and their advantage. He took it away from the drug dealers, midlife difficult, human traffickers. He rounded up MS-13 gang members thousands of them. And when it was visible, he didn't hide it. You didn't not hear about it. You don't hear anything about that today. He also brought these issues to the forefront, talked about them. He was black trousers and motorcycle boots, and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike, and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio on New York Mike. Roll Right Radio on New York Mike. Truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, you know what? If Superman gave it up, hey, I'll take it. Now they're saying something else. It's truth, justice, in the American way has been under fire by, I don't know, Disney, DC Comics. They've been pushing them for years. I bet you 10 years ago I remember them saying, oh, you can't say that. And, well, cancel culture finally got the American way. Canceled. It ain't canceled, baby. There's no way. Truth, justice, in the American way. I got to tell you, man, that's it. Superman, don't want it we got it that's it all right i'm new york mike this is roll right radio and we are rolling right patrina and i did the episode a couple of weeks ago we went through the whole thing and she said mike pick a subject and let's go through stuff i said okay let's talk about one thing how about inflation wait a minute how about foreign policy wait a minute how about censorship and the loss of the first amendment oh the second amendment oh wait a minute how about calling the Department of Justice, the DOJ, calling parents at PTA meetings, domestic, how about race becoming a military priority while we're at war? Hey, we're at war. We're at war. Thank God it's kind of a cold war, more of a cold war. But, you know, people are dying. They're out there. We got troops all over the world. Families are missing them. God bless the USO. The USO is Feeding families back here, taking care of troops, continuing to bring forth great entertainment to troops that are stationed all around the world. You know, just can't get to it or wouldn't be able to afford the real strong education. There's so much going on. And some of us just, you know, we're whistling through the graveyard. It's like, oh, la-di-da, things are good here. This is America. It's great. Oh, yeah, they'll take care of us. (laughs) Right. Well, we used to have a, a sign in, in the Air Force, you know, is you sleep well at night, you know, we're here, we're protecting you. And then there's the average American person, family sleeping well, which is great. I mean, that's the goal. That's what we want. I have so many friends that didn't serve and they feel bad. So don't feel badly. We did it because we love you. So right now it's less than half of one like I think it's zero point zero of the population currently serve. It's ridiculous, but it, it is what it is. And I don't know which way it's going. I've always been a proponent of a draft because I think we need the people out there. It's a huge cultural thing. It's more than just military. We should all be prepared. The more Americans who are prepared, and I think the reserves going through a six-month training period and then ongoing every, whatever the schedule is, a weekend here, a weekend there, and then, you know, a couple of weeks during this. I mean, this keeps a much broader base of Americans, of every stripe that's upon intent, in every stripe, but I'm talking every color, race, creed everybody from any place. If you're American, serve. And I don't think, There's anything wrong with that. Not, we don't need, you know, every American. I don't mean it that way. I mean, just give more people an opportunity. That's all. And I think it'd be great. But there were other things. And so we went through this list. Abortion is a big thing because it's the underlying current behind the massive wave that politics is. It really is. And then we talked about religion, the economy, COVID. We talked about, and then we came to leadership. If you're going to pick one topic, you got to pick leadership. We went through it. And then with the next podcast, the underlying subject was leadership again. And i got to tell you something. I don't think it's going to be the underlying subject of every one of our podcasts. Truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, leadership. Great leadership. It was like Alexander the Great said, he'd rather fight an army of lions led by a sheep than an army of sheep led by a lion. That was one of the great statements about leadership. I don't think it's underrated. I think it's underappreciated. I don't think enough people realize how important leadership is. Leadership doesn't mean the president, doesn't mean the generals. We should have people in those positions who are great leaders, but leadership is everywhere. It's the kid in the classroom who steps up and, you know, volunteers to do whatever. It's the local parents that go to the PTA meetings and step up and speak up and do what they need to do. It's evident in everything we do, and I think it's important. Today, I want to talk about the leadership that was provided by Trump compared to the leadership that we're getting from Biden. I don't care if you don't like Trump. A lot of people didn't like Trump. A lot of people, you know, were offended by Trump. We had Trump haters everywhere. I get it. But you know what? If you're a great leader, you know that there's going to be people. that You're going to offend people. If you're not afraid to step up and say what you think and say what's on your mind and, and say, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. This is my agenda. This is where I'm leading us to. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't put it under wraps and sneak it through. I remember I was talking to Keith Wandell, who used to be a, the CEO of Harley-Davidson Corporation, we were talking, and they said to me, Mike, I don't back up to the pay window. I get one that's coming to me proudly. I worked for it. I earned it. And he didn't. You talk about leadership. And boy, controversial. Yep. Because if you're a leader, there is going to be people on the other side who are going to step up and go, whoa, because you're a leader. You can't satisfy all the people all the time. Actually, I don't even think you saw the people some of the time. You could satisfy some of the people all the time. You could do that, as Lincoln said. But if you're a leader, you're just going to go forward. You're going to walk through those walls. You're going to walk through the fires of hell. And if you're a real leader, they're going to follow you. And that's what leadership is. I want to go into that, and I want to talk about the book. And every once in a while, I get a a great book, and I'll, I'll start reading it. You know, everything else in life around us, from the Internet to this to that, to all the TVs and everything in the shows and the news media, and and it just starts taking over. And I think I ought to just make the time to read more. And I'm going to talk about a book. When I talk about leadership, I want to get through this Trump's leadership and talk about what he did, whether you like him or not. You can listen to this. I know I got all my Democrat friends out there and family and all that. You guys are so wrong. Okay, but listen to this when I go through it. When I'm done, I'm going to talk about leadership in general and the people I know, the great leaders in my local communities, the military community, and every place I go because we all can step up. But let's talk about what did Trump do. Let's look at Trump's leadership and how he led. He led on the border issue. He led with talking about building a wall. He came out of the chute, man, talking about the drugs that were coming over, all the bad people that Mexico was sending. He came right down there, right down the escalator, right from the get-go. Didn't hold back, didn't hide anything. Came out and said, in ways and a lot of people didn't like the fact. He said, this is the issue. We have to deal with this issue. This is a big issue, and it was, and it yes. is. So he talked about building a wall, making a deal with Mexico, including the NAFTA, that we had was a horrible trade deal that was made during Clinton's days and hadn't been changed. And Trump talked about changing it with Mexico and Canada, North American Free Trade Act. And he did, and he changed it. And that was one of the things he told. It wasn't easy, it didn't happen overnight, didn't happen in the first six months, but it happened. He made it difficult for the cartels. The cartels, they are reaping so much of the benefits of what's going on today. He made it difficult. He took away their edge and their advantage. He took it away from the drug dealers. Midlife difficult. Human traffickers. He rounded up MS-13 gang members. Thousands of them. And when it was visible, he didn't hide it. You didn't not hear about it. You don't hear anything about that today. He also brought these issues to the forefront, talked about them. He talked about them through his Twitter, talked about them when he had his rallies and at the press gaggle. Remember the press gaggles? Have you seen a press gaggle lately? What's a press gaggle? It's when, you know, the president is going somebody's just leaving the White House, walking to the helicopter, and all of a sudden the press is all around. Not many presidents stopped and talked. Maybe some of them might have, you know, said a word. Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm going to Indiana. Yeah, I'm going to Iowa. Yeah, okay, guys, and that's it. Donald Trump is press gaggle. Lasted longer than most press conferences. But he communicated. He communicated with everybody all the time. He was wide open. And sometimes he said things a lot of people didn't like, especially on his Twitter. But that was part of his his being a leader. He let you know where he was going. If you want someone to follow you, follow me. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. Just you just follow. It doesn't work that way. And so real leaders, communicate and And that's one of the things Trump did. He reached out to the American people directly. And when the media didn't spend the time talking, he spent a lot of time talking to reporters. But he never ducked any questions on any issues, no hidden agendas, spoke boldly about his goals and kept his promises. But then when the press didn't communicate his true feelings, he called them out. Fake news. Hey, you fake news. He coined the phrase that, you know, is going to be with us for a long time. Sadly, with us for a long time. But that's what he did. He brought these things out when the media wasn't truthful. And we can see now how untrue. Go back decades and decades and start looking at the misleading media and how important that media is. I think that's one of the biggest things. That has come to the surface, and I don't don't think we've appreciated it yet. I don't think we've got our arms around it or our brains around it on how corrupt the media is when they lie, whether it's because of partisan leaning or just because they vehemently may disagree or not like somebody or their agenda who's in charge. It doesn't have to be the president. Look what they're doing with Zuckerberg. Look what they're doing covering up and canceling. This is what they do. And it's wrong. The media, we need to have the media is so important. The First Amendment, that's why it's the First Amendment. Because it has to stand out. Freedom of speech should give the media the license to say whatever they have to say to find the truth, justice in the American way. There it goes. Truth is first. And when the media is not truthful, or when they're not objective, it hurts us all. And I think Trump brought this out in a big way. Trump reached out to the American people and said, hey, this isn't what I said. That's fake news. This is what I said. This is what I meant. And these are our goals. And this is what we're going to... And he kept his promises. And he didn't keep them secret. He kept them. He often had members of Congress, Congress, both Republican and and Democrat, at the White House negotiating face-to-face. Nothing deceptive. His speeches were epic. Whether at the U.N., at foreign countries, or on national TV, they were epic. Think about the State of the Union with Nancy Pelosi ripping it up, making faces, rolling her eyes. He told the truth. He talked about where we are, what the state of the nation is, and where he wants to go and what his goals are. She didn't like it and ripped it up. Well, there's that leadership for you. Yeah. He constantly praised our military first responses. He fought like crazy for a strong defense. He did all of this while under constant attack and never let anyone see him sweat. Russia gate, lies. Think about what that means. Using the Democrat opposition research, right, the Steele dossier to justify the Mueller report. Two years, $40 million, maybe more, over 18 motivated (laughs) lawyers and FBI agents to constantly attack him, constantly. First two years of his presidency, boom, boom, every day, two groundless impeachments. First on a phone call to the Ukraine. My God, think about Biden and the Ukraine. He wasn't hiding this phone call. We all saw what was going on. And the second, because he said the 22nd, the 2020 election, he said it was stolen. He said it was stolen. Yes, it was stolen. We saw it was stolen. I went to Washington, D.C. on January 6th to protest the fact that I believed, as hundreds of thousands, millions of us believe it, and, and hundreds of thousands of us went to Washington to protest the fact that we have the right to redress. We have the right to protest. We have the right of free speech in America. And we went there to let them know. that did people step over the line and breach the Capitol? Yes. Was that wrong? Yes. Should some people pay the price? The guilty ones should, not the ones who just walked into the Capitol because the doors were open and the Capitol police didn't stop it. They put up no perimeters. And I can tell you, I got friends of mine who were retired cops that could vouch, that they were there. They turned around and walked away when they saw what was going on. They saw the breach, but they also saw that there was no perimeter set up. There was nothing done to prevent that by the Capitol Police. And I, could, and I have, on these podcasts, talked more about it. Again, I was there with my friend Tony Rubo, <laughs> and I Tony's out there listening, and Tony can vouch for the same thing. But nonetheless, with everything going on, with all this pressure, with all the stress that he had to be under, his kids were under fire like never before. And the constant barrage of the FBI and everybody going after Don Trump Jr. and bringing him in because he had a meeting with a Russian lawyer in the Trump Tower in New York City a 10, 15, 20 minute meeting, which he walked out of when he found out that she was there under false pretenses. Come on. We've all seen so much. Why are we even seeing the stuff they're throwing in our face? Nonetheless, he got his legislation passed, the tax reduction, the military buildup. He built ships and airplanes like the F-35s. He established the Space Force, held off the Chinese North Koreans. ISIS had come back under Obama. Biden, remember? People forget because Trump came in and just wiped them off like slapping the Fly off your face. Boom. Hey, get out of here. They were not the JV team, baby. ISIS was a badass organization, but not close to something that we should have ever thought that, oh my God. Trump used the military. He led them. He inspired them to do their job and he let them do their job. He let their leaders lead. He defeated ISIS. People look back and don't even recognize that there was an ISIS there, that they had a a big impact and a a big high profile. Defeated them. Remember the trade deals that he got? It wasn't just NAFTA that he got. He got these great trade deals throughout the world that benefited the United States. The United States unemployment was at a record low for everybody, men, women, blacks, whites, Hispanics. Thing after thing, he did. This leadership, the government mandating minimum wages. Yeah, there's always been a minimum wage, but he didn't use that as a tool to raise wages. He didn't have to. He brought American business back to America. American business had run away around the world, and especially to China. And he brought them back by lowering taxes, bringing them in from China, from Mexico, from South America, from all over the world. He brought them back. He made peace between Israel and their Arab adversaries. Four major Arab nations made peace and trade agreements with the state of Israel because of Donald Trump. He kept Iran at bay, kept us out of bad deals like the Paris climate deal. He recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and the Golan Heights as Israeli territory. He did so much. This is leadership. You don't like him? I get it. Don't like him. But don't tell me you don't like his policies. Don't tell me you, like the, you don't like the results of bringing industry back to America and, and keeping the Chinese at bay. You didn't hear about the Chinese having hypersonic weapons when Trump was in office, you didn't hear about them rattling their sabers over Taiwan every day. When I say rattling sabers, I'm talking about hundreds of military aircraft invading Taiwan's space every day. He took on the tech giants and lost while capturing the hearts and minds of over 75 million Americans who voted for him in 2020, despite the overwhelming attacks and help to his adversaries by Hollywood, the media, the huge tech giants from Silicon Valley. And now we find that Mark Zuckerberg, the king of the tech giants, spent over $400 million doing illicit, if not illegal, things during the voting process in 2020. The book rigged is the one that spells it out. I've got to get it after I read my friend's book. When COVID hit, he called out the country where it started and called out what was going on. That's China. But he, he rallied our country with daily TV briefings. He put Vice President Pence in charge, and Pence did a job. Pence is a good guy. Look, it controversial what he should have done on January 6th. And he went in there and protested this election that was clearly rigged, but maybe it wasn't as clear to everybody. Read the book rigged. It'll be a lot clearer. So I think these things are going to all come to the surface. You know, we're going to have great leadership again. We don't have it now, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Trump supported every governor, Republican and Democrat, with ventilators, personal protective equipment, PPE, built hospitals, the Javits Center, and medical ships. He praised the governors like Cuomo when they did the right thing, and then they turned around and stabbed him in the back. So he just went on to fast-track a vaccine. That's what he did. You know, bad-mouthing him, stabbing him in the back. He didn't get up there and protest and this and that. He took it, and then he went about his business, fast-tracking a vaccine, Operation Warp Speed. Defied all the odds. The naysayers claiming it would take three to five years. He got rid of red tape and provided the leadership needed to accomplish this. Provided the leadership. Today, the vaccine is credited with the decline of COVID deaths. But no such credit is given to Donald Trump. I would be calling it the Trump vaccine all day long. And he didn't have to mandate vaccines. Mandate makes No, he didn't. he didn't have to do that. And while the vaccine was being created, Trump kept leading, trying to open the economy. And, and if you remember, he said, we're going to open up by Easter Sunday of 2020. And clearly, it would never he would never have called for mandates. It didn't happen on Easter Sunday. That was his goal. He said it, and he put it out there. And people said, no, we can't open up. But it happened not too long after that. By May and June, the governors of Georgia and Florida, they, they were starting to say, okay, enough's enough. We got the cure. If closing down businesses is a cure, it was worse than the disease. We're losing more people to suicide, to people that lose their businesses. Yeah, we don't want to see more deaths. And every day, the signs were up. Oh, 200,000 killed by Trump, 300,000. I mean, what's going on with that? Look back at that. Think about it. The shocking results of the twenty twenty election, given Trump's popularity, Biden's not campaigning, neither non-campaigner. And the obvious shenanigans of Pennsylvania and, and, and Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, the, the the battleground stakes. That's what prompted Trump and many Trump followers like myself to accuse the election of being rigged and the presidency stolen. How this turns out as a strategy to energize the Trump base, time will tell. But given Trump's leadership track record, it may become the 2024 rallying cry. But you know, when you have the media, how long are we the people going to accept them just covering up, giving cover to the left constantly over and over again? Are we going to allow that as a people? Because I got to tell you, let's talk about Trump's leadership, which we just did. Now let's talk about Biden's leadership, the current president, the president that, that they put in there. He's the president, like it or not. And there's a lot of people who do like it. The president's the president. He's the president of the United States. He occupies the White House. He's the commander in chief. And his leadership, it, it, that's what it is. You, listen, you're out there, you're a Democrat, you can be a left-wing Democrat. His decisions are either non-existent or they're dead wrong. The highlight of his bad decision is clearly Afghanistan. And in spite of the top generals giving his advice to keep at least 2,500 to 3,000 troops in place and keep Bagram Air Base, Bagram set a date. August 31st, to have all US troops out of the country under any conditions, i.e., whether or not American interest or personnel was secure, and no matter the state of individual properties, our weapons, including our weapons, didn't matter if they were there, we left them there, they they're getting out. Everything, out, out. What are you kidding me? Everybody out, no matter what. No, you can't do that. You can't be this wrong this often. Something's not right. The evacuation of all military personnel will be complete. All military personnel and property. This meant we had no leverage or any ability to care for the American personnel or our property after 831. That's it. August 31st, we're done. We're out. Nothing. No leverage. No, no nothing, depending on the Taliban now. The Taliban, that's, that was the enemy. 20 years an enemy, in 20 seconds, they're our ally? What happened? Are you kidding? How could that be a right decision? <laughs> how, how could that be Are you relying on them? That's just wrong. This issue was clear and obvious, was brought up to the Biden administration and Pentagon staff, but was ignored. With prejudice, the media has been complicit in obscuring the fact that this was a disastrous end to the Afghan war. And even when the Pentagon leaders were being questioned in Congress, the House, the Senate, only Fox News showed Biden ignored the generals' advice. Other bad decisions include, obviously, the border issue. Look what's going on the border issue, COVID issues. There are more people died of COVID in 2021. The year isn't even over yet. And more people have died than died in all of 2020. Just think about this. You saw every day how many people died. It was all blamed on, on Donald Trump. They were blaming Trump. Trump was responsible for the death. Of three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand. You don't hear that about Joe Biden. It wasn't right to blame a president on that. It started in the Wuhan labs. that they claimed it was in the bat caves, and it was this. It was okay, but they prevented us from really investigating because we haven't tried investigating. What's the purpose of knowing where this started? Well, if you want to fix a problem, you got to identify the problem. You have to understand the problem. So. Once you understand the problem, it's COVID. You want to go back to the genesis, the beginning. How did it start? That's how you fix something, and that's how you fix it so it doesn't come back and bite you again. Leadership. It's everything, every issue. So let I me mean, give you my take. Leadership. There's something that we used to say at the abate meetings. My, my friend, Red Baron, wife, absolutely, <laughs> virtually nothing in common with, except I love the guy because He always put his money where his mouth was. He was one of the real leaders in the motorcycle world in California for a long time. When I say put his money where his mouth is, he really did. And it was a a leadership. He stepped up. He was a leader. We didn't agree on a lot of stuff. But we did agree on the goals of a bait. We would ride together, go to meetings together. He had my back so many times. And, of course, I had his. But, you know, this was a different time and a different place. We were still fighting, overturning this helmet law in California. People just don't understand the importance of getting rid of the helmet law. But this this was important to us. It should be important to everybody today. It's not about the helmet. It's about the law. It's not about getting a vaccine. It's about a mandate. It's not about wearing a mask. It's about a mandate. It's good. This is, these things are going to happen and they're going to keep on happening. Oh, sure. Hey, wait a minute. I'd like that Well, Okay. Government, you can, you can force us to do that. Cause I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. Because soon or later, they're going to come around. They're going to force you to do something that you hate. If you're giving the government the ability to force people to do something that they hate doing, sooner or later it's going to come down to that same government having the power to force you to do something that you ain't doing. The the Constitution was set up so that the, the power lies with the people. And what Red Baron and I used to say was, when the people lead, leaders will follow. When people lead, and this is so important, and you see it today like we've never seen it before. When you turn on your TV and you see the people at the PTA meetings, at the school board meetings, See, the parents, all of a sudden, mostly because of COVID, they got to see what their kids were learning and what was going on in school. And they said, enough. And the only way to change it was they stepped up, and that's what happened. The people started leading. And this, if, if nothing else comes out of COVID, but this may almost make it worthwhile. I said almost. All those deaths, man, that's hard to justify at all, no matter what. But we need to understand, this country needs to understand, we need to take this country back, not just by electing people, but by getting involved in the elections, by getting involved and making sure the elections are safe, by getting involved. And I'm talking about leadership at the localist level. When we talk about PTA meetings and school board meetings and stepping up, that's local. All politics is local. That's what politics is. It's so local, it comes down to that individual person deciding they're going to go out and vote. Boom. That's politics. That's how local it is. One vote. One person, one vote. I want to talk about the leadership of some friends of mine. And I think I have talked about this before, but they just put it out there again. My friend Jay Redmond, one of my favorite people on earth, does so much for the military. So much. to Talk about overcoming every obstacle in life. He talks about leadership all the time. I'm going to get Jay Redmond on, on this podcast one day because he's someone that everyone should listen to. Well, I've introduced him on several occasions at events and speaking engagements, and I always introduce him. And A lot of Navy SEALs write books, but think about that. What does it take to write a book? I've been thinking about writing a book most of my life, and I never have. I'm so lazy. Here's Jay Redman wrote the book Trident, and then he wrote the book Overcome, and I think he's on third book, and he goes and he speaks. But you know what? There are at least five Retired Navy SEALs right now running for Congress. That includes Ryan Zinke, who was the uh, head of the BLM. It includes uh, Greitens, Eric Greitens, who used to be the governor of Missouri. And, and three other Navy SEALs who are running for Congress. Then, of course, you got Dan Crenshaw, who's in. Think about the leadership. What inspired these kind of people to step up to become SEALs? Go through that training and come out the other side with a trident pin to their chest? What created that kind of a leader? And what this 20 years of service, to 20-plus years of service, and then they're going to step up again? These aren't people who are lawyers trying to bring rain into their law firms. That's what a lot of these guys are, let's face it. Go to Congress. How many lawyers are there? Take a look at their law firms. How much money, how many clients, how much business do they generate Back in their law firm, because they got involved in politics locally, the state assemblies and and senates. Here are guys not motivated by greed, unquestionable patriotism at the highest level. Remember, we need more men and women who've served. That's why I I continually talk about Tulsi Gabbard. Not that I'd ever vote for (laughs) her for everything, but I respect her. And there's got to be leadership on both sides. I can't always just go, oh, Republic. You can't do that. You got to look at the other side. The other side's there, whether you, you, you want to look at it or not. But I want to talk about truth, justice in the American way. Think about that. Think about that in your life when you wake up in the morning. What's your goal today? How about truth, justice in the American way? I'm going to fight for, for success. I'm going to fight for capitalism. I'm going I'm to get out there, go to work, and do my job better than anybody else could do that job. Somehow, some way, that's going to bring me greater success. Yeah, I'm going to have some bad leaders. I'm going to have bosses who are jerks and assholes. I'm going to have to to overcome all these things, but that's what I'm going to do because that's the American way. Fighting, breaking down the walls, the obstacles. That's it. That's the American way. If I have to look back on leaving New York, there's not much I could look back on and regret. (laughs) And the last... 20-something years here in California, owned in San Diego, Harley-Davidson, doing everything I did. My God, I wouldn't trade that for anything. No, don't get me wrong. But there was one thing about New York that I truly miss. And there are there some people, those quintessential New Yorkers, the real, I want to say tough guys, like men, women, people that would just live under those circumstances and fight it out. The ones that knew how to win, no matter what, there weren't many of them, but one that stands out was my friend, Richard Ader. Richie Aida, who was the head of real estate for a big Wall Street firm that was doing sale leasebacks when you had no way of raising money in the 80s under Jimmy Carter. No way. Nobody could deal with, with the effects of a 20, 21, 21% interest rate and everything that's going on in the country. And of course, everybody was taxed way beyond anything reasonable. So there was a huge underground economy and a lot of the real estate, I don't know if the word most is appropriate, but there was a lot more real estate developed around this country. Major shopping centers, offices, complexes, everything that were built on tax-sheltered deals. And Some of the ways of making those deals are buying, selling your building, and leasing it back. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole detailed explanation of what that is, but Richie Ader was like the king of that. And he was a young guy. I mean, we were both like around 30, and Richie was a great basketball player at the University of Vermont. He's in their Hall of Fame. I could read a lot about Richie Ader and talk about, but hopefully I'm going to have him on the podcast at some point but he wrote a book and it's it's called how to rally and rally because when i met him we were playing tennis and richie was like you know what a great tennis player let me just talk about richie he was the founder of realty advisors in 89 has been in the corporate real estate net lease industry since 68 chairman of the company chief investment officer one of the pioneers in the field of corporate sale, leaseback transaction, leading authority on the subject. I mean, I'll, I'll get all this in when whenever he comes on, but, you know, he, he just a, a very sharp dude, man, about the best that they get. And when you, you, I mean, you talk about the will to win, playing against him in tennis, and he was one of the guys that helped teach me how to play this game, and he played at the highest level. We're talking about playing with Patrick McEnroe and, and all these people, Ivan Lindell. That was Richie, big sir, big guy that had all that going for him. But you felt on the other side of the net, when you played against Richie it was his will to win. It was hard to break through that. And he wrote this book. It's called How to Rally, because he's a guy who's rallied his whole life, and You know, it didn't even seem to me. I mean, Richie always seemed like he was always at the top. And then he said to me the other day, he says, yeah, you uh, got to get my book, How to Rally. I said, really? And then he starts telling me what he's been through the last couple of years. I haven't seen him in years and years. He's been through hell. You know, he's been through heart issues and health issues and this issues and that issues. But he always rallied. He did it in such a way when he was talking to me, and I realized, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. This fell apart, that fell apart. We had all these things happen, and I never saw this guy sweat. I just saw him move forward with the will to win. And now he's written a book, How to Rally. And I'm going to buy that book. I, I already pre-ordered it, by the way, on Amazon. It, it won't come out until November 9th. So I'll get the first thing. And I'm going to tell you. Patrina said to me, yeah, you order another book? How many books do you have that you haven't read? Yeah, I know. I got a bad habit. I read through a book about maybe, I don't know how many pages and I lose interest. I'm going to read this book, guarantee you, How to Rally by Richard Ader. If you want to read, I'm telling you, I don't even have to read it to know it's going to be a great book. If you want to get some insights and some inspirations about how to overcome things, I would probably even recommend this to Jay red How to Rally by Richard Ader. Hey, I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio. We're rolling right. Look, it's up to us. It's up to the people. Okay? When the people the leaders follow, we gotta lead. Just take a look at all those people at their local PTA meetings. That's the inspiration. Those are the people we need to inspire everyone, every leader out there, everyone who's thinking of running for office or supporting someone running for office. We need to get behind what's gonna save. America, from this, the onslaught of communism, the the complacency, this media that's covering up everything wrong and hiding most things that are good. We got to fix it. And it's up to us, the individual human being, the American citizen. We have the power to do that. We can do it. And you know what? Keep listening to Roll Right Radio. Subscribe to Roll Right Radio. Tell your friends to subscribe to Roll Right Radio. We love that you're out there. Roll Right Radio. will be rolling back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.